Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. On today's episode, I welcome in Joe Politsky, who is the founder of multiple startups, including content creator education site, The Tilt, the content entrepreneur event, Creator Economy Expo, and is the best-selling author of seven books, including Content Inc. and Epic Content Marketing, which was named a must-read business book by Fortune Magazine. Joe is best known for his work in content marketing, first using the term in 2001, then launching Content Marketing Institute and the Content Marketing World event. In 2014, he received the Lifetime Achievement Award by the Content Council. He successfully exited CMI in 2016 and consequently wrote an award-winning mystery novel, The Will to Die. He has two weekly podcasts, the Motivational Content Inc. podcast, and the content news and analysis show, This Old Marketing, with Robert Rose. His foundation, The Orange Effect, delivers speech therapy and technology services to over 350 children in 35 states. And really excited to have Joe on. I've been subscribed to the Tilt newsletter for a while and wanted to pull back the layers on Joe's story and understand how he got started and ultimately continued forward to grow a successful career. So I hope you all enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Joe. So without further ado, please welcome in Joe Politsky. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you. Brian, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited about this. I, uh, I've been subscribed to the Tilt for a while, and I, was, uh, I always like to be like, how did this thing start? The curiosity behind, like, who started this? So I came across your name. I'm like, oh, I got to give, give you a shout. So I appreciate you coming on and talking through a variety of things. Uh, I know no, happy to. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of areas I think we can go, but there's one kind of spot at least from the research I did that I thought would be apropos maybe as a starting point being the just get started podcast. And it was the spring of 2007, spring of 2007. So a little smile on your face there. Yeah. So <laughs> tell me about the spring of 2007, what was going on in your life and, and kind of some of the trends, uh, transition that happened. Oh man. So just about a year before that I had it set that I wanted to start a business uh, it was actually called custompublishers.com. I was in the custom publishing industry. We can get into a little bit about uh, the the different aspects of that. But I put I bought the URL. I had the business plan, and I'm basically just sitting on it and and just couldn't pull the trigger. And in November, there were some changes. That I was at a large uh, publishing company, actually the largest publishing company in North America at the time, focused on B2B publishing, and I was running their custom media division. So basically what we would do is we would do branded magazines or newsletters for Microsoft and Autodesk and those types of things and helping them tell their story. And so with all these changes going on, I keep talking to my wife about, I launched this business, I want to do it. And I think it was something, it was like January of 2007. And I'm saying how I want to do this, or I'm thinking about it. And she basically says, you know, honey, I don't care if you start the business or if you stay at a company for the rest of your life, but make a decision, like stop talking about it, either do it or don't do it. And then I finally realized, okay, well, I've just got to, I've got to do something. So I told her, I said, well, by the end of the quarter, I will leave Penton where I worked and I will start this new company. I will make this thing happen. And I stayed until the last day of March 
2007 and on april 1st of of uh, you know, the next day april fool's day i started what became jump to 42 what which ultimately became the content marketing institute but that setting that day brian was thankfully she was pushing me on it and and, and you you need that kind of support you need those people around you to say that because of course i had uh, fears like any entrepreneur would i can't do it it's a bad idea um, and, and any idea is both a good and a bad idea at the same time, because it's, it's what you put in it to it. It's the execution. And, um, so I, I think back on that fondly and all the mistakes that I made for the next two years, and we could talk about those if you want, but, uh, but, uh, now knowing probably the smartest thing that we did. And I knew from talking to my mentors was to cut my costs down as much as possible because I didn't know how long it was going to take to be successful. And so in talking to a lot of the, my business friends, they said, look, you know, that you might want to go to one car. You might, uh, you know, I, I had two kids to, ages four and six at the time. So we were like, okay, well, what about schooling there in private school? How do we set things aside? So we, we put off some vacations. We put off some things that we normally spend money on because my wife was staying home. She decided to stay home with the kids. That was wonderful. We had that, we were blessed with that opportunity, but um, really tightened the belt on cost because we didn't know how long. And we were, ba I was basically using savings, savings and credit cards to fund this whole thing. And uh, and then went forward with this thing that John to 42 was uh, supposed to be like the e-harmony for content marketing. We were going to match up companies that needed content services with agencies and writers who could provide those services, which right now there's like 50,000 of these companies. But at the time, there were, we yeah. were a little bit ahead of the time back in, in 2007. So, and I'll, I'll stop there, but I remember that um, there's no good time. There's yeah. no good. I mean, if I look back on it, Brian, I'm like, I had two small kids. My wife wasn't working. So no, in, no money coming in at all. We were going to make, and then, yeah. Finally, I just talked to her and enough people that said there is no good time. You just do it. If this is if this is in your soul, if you feel that this is important, uh, which I love any entrepreneur that feels they should do it. Life is too short. Just go at it and and pull the trigger. And yeah, I want to go down that rabbit hole a little deeper if we can. But I want to go back just a little bit, because one of the first things you said is I couldn't pull the trigger on uh, on custompublishers.com. Had that was that the first time you kind of had this idea from let's take a running your own business entrepreneurial kind of side or is that something had you always had that itch when you were younger but just thought hey I, I got to go work for a company like mm -hmm. I, I didn't know how how that upbringing maybe structured always that. had the itch always I had a little notebook of stupid ideas that I would keep with me on oh I want to start a newsletter on this they were all content communication ideas. I'm going to start this marketing firm. I'm going to start this consulting firm. I would write doodles, JP consulting, you know, the whole thing and to have it down there. And, and that's from when I was in, in college thinking about that. I mean, I grew up um, with two entrepreneurs. My parents ran a restaurant. So I grew up when I was, you know, age three, four, five inside the restaurant, they were working all the time. And then unfortunately they didn't make it. My dad went off and, and ended up working at Ford Motor Company. And then um, I worked in the funeral home system, my grandfather, and then passed it on to his uncle, ran a, a funeral home chain. And so I knew in, in depth, I know all, <laughs> I would, I 
then with the bodies, I had to clean up, clean up after them. I did all that stuff. I understood that business, but I, it was very natural for me being around all these entrepreneurs to think, oh yeah, absolutely. Running a business and starting a business is, is a thing that everyone should consider. So, but I never felt I had the idea. I never felt I was smart enough. Mm. I never felt I like I would focus on something long enough because I always was, I would always go from one thing to another. I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I'm all in on this thing. I'm all in. I'm going to read all these books. I'm going to listen to all these audiobooks. I'm going to do all, I'm going to, I'm all in on baseball right now. I all want to do all sports marketing right now. Mm. Um, and then I never really stayed on anything. And, and finally um, I said, well, shoot, I'm, I'm, 34 years old. Like, I, what am, when am I going to do? When am I going to yeah. do this thing? When, when is, when is enough enough? When do you have the right idea? Now I love it today. It seems so, it seems so much easier. And, of, and I know it's not true, but it feels so much easier to start a business today uh, because you only need a smartphone uh, in essence to, to start a podcast, to build an audience, to do all these things. And it didn't seem that way in 2007, but, but I did the best I could in building, building that audience and moving forward. So, yeah. Well, it's even, you know, something to note, right. Is, and you can, from one year to the next, maybe not as much, but you look at what, what is this 15 years since you did that, right? 15, 16 years. But you think a lot of businesses rarely does the idea that they start with become what they maybe are even known for or what their main yep. aspect, you know, cause you diversify, you change paths, you, you know, you, we could take a million different businesses. So it's, it's one thing to start, but then the other thing is the consistency, you know, the continuing down the path. Cause you know, you're going to change as a person, right. Yep. And the markets are going to change. So it's really just to get you, you know, getting started is, you know, getting you the aspect to play the game longer because you don't know what the game's going to be in five, 10 years. Right. That's so true. I actually thought, you know, you so, so uh, young and ignorant at that time when I started, because I actually st thought that custompublishers.com, which I renamed Junta42, which I thought was the best web 2.0 name on the planet. But I thought, oh, that's going to be it. Of course, that's going to be the idea. Of course, that's going to make it. I really did have confidence. I had the ego. And I said, oh, man, th this is this is going to be the next big thing. And, you know, realize that uh, it was a mass. I mean, it's hard to say it was a massive failure because uh, that failure led to Content Marketing Institute. And without Junta 42, there would have been no CMI. There would have been no content marketing world. We would have never reached our revenue goals and whatever. But so it's funny. So started there in in seven with 07 with this idea and 2009. I don't know if you want to go that far, but, you know, we're bleeding cash. I got nothing's working. We're not driving any kind of re significant revenue, but we did have a couple big clients using this service. And for whatever reason, I was calling, I was re-upping all of our clients to, to buy into this system where they would basically, basically lead gen system. And I called what was our best client. And then when I say our best client, they had landed a multi-million dollar account through our service. And they didn't re-up online. And I was like, okay, well, that that's weird. Must be just some kind of a glitch or must, just didn't get around to it. So I called the CEO of this company up and I said, uh, I said, yeah, I'm just call on how's everything going, whatever, really excited. I wanted to, you know, make sure you're signing up for next year. Didn't think that they would at all um, say no. And she said, well, I, I'm, I'm not going to, we're not going to join the system this year. Uh, we feel we can get a better ROI somewhere else. And I'm like, First of all, I'm shocked. Mm -hmm. 
Second of all, I really I think I said something to her. It's like, okay, you, you can get a better ROI than a thousand percent. Like <laughs> I can't do any better than delivering you accounts like this. And that's when I realized, Joe, you can't even keep your best customer. This is all wrong. This is not going to work. And that was, I remember I, I hung up the phone. I went out in our backyard, totally felt sorry for myself. I'm a fa big failure. And I've got two young kids in there and a wife that believes in me. And I'm like, I'm going to have to go get a real job. Like this is, a, this is, don't, and so anyways, from that point, the next two weeks, I'm getting my LinkedIn in order. Um, trying to think about how I'm, I'm going to go with my head down and try to get a job somewhere else. And for whatever reason, I start looking at my emails and I start looking at the feedback of our email subscribers and our blog subscribers. So luckily over this two-year period of time, I had a blog called The Content Revolution with an email newsletter that I would send out to people interested in content marketing and had quite a few subscribers, had about almost 10,000 subscribers people signed. So that was working. We weren't monetizing that. And then I looked at this feedback and the questions were like, Joe, I need training for my staff. Can you recommend any for content marketing? Joe, um, we're looking for consultants to help with our content marketing initiative. Can you make some recommendations? And I always would, and I always would point them in the right direction. And I said, oh my God, they're asking me for products I don't offer. Mm. Why am I offering this product, which I realized was applicable to way less than 1% of the people that subscribed? I mean, they didn't need this. What they needed was education. They needed training. They were telling me all the things that they needed for their teams. And I was offering this product that I fell in love with and just threw out there. I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing this whole thing wrong. So I remember I must have been drinking at the time because I wrote it on a cocktail napkin. And I said, we're changing the model. I'm going to pivot right here. So this is September of 2009. So two and a half years after we started the business. And I said, okay, we're going to create the leading destination for content marketing education. That was the one. I said, oh, we're going to create the leading magazine for content marketing executives or, or marketing executives around the practice of content marketing. And I said, oh, we're going to create the leading in-person event for content marketing education. I felt that that was the three legs of the stool that we were going to end up going after. And I put that down there. And in the middle, I said, Content Marketing Institute. So that was September. And in May of 2010, we relaunched as Content Marketing Institute. Immediately, everything just came to us. The market, of course, opened up a little bit at that time because mm -hmm. 07, 08, 09 were not the best right. times to start a business, but in hindsight, they were the absolute best times because we were talking about content marketing when nobody else was. And then we started this and, and so contentmarketinginstitute.com quickly became the leading site for content marketing. We launched um, Chief Content Officer Magazine in January of 2011, and we launched Content Marketing World in September 2011, hoping for 100, 100 people to come to Cleveland, Ohio for a little event and see what we get in. We ended up getting 660 people to that event. And five years later, we had 4,000. Um, so just yeah, a lot to, there's <laughs> crazy a lot to dumb luck, there. but the, you're right about right. the pivot. Now I look at that with every business because I've started a few different businesses yeah. now. The Tilt is another new business, but I'm always like, okay, we're starting out. This is what we think, but we don't know until we talk to enough customers and get enough information about maybe this isn't the right direction. We think it is. Yeah. The tilt is a really good example. We've changed that pivot and pivoted as well with that. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm, and I'm not sure there's even an answer here because everyone's story might be a little different, but I'm, I guess I'm curious 
you mentioned, you know, the cocktail napkin and, and, and really it was spawned by, I mean, by a failed attempt. You're, you had a client that left you, right? Your client left you and you're like, oh shit. Was there, I, I guess it, what, what comes up in my mind is that the sunk cost fallacy is no, I got to keep doing it. This is the, this is the, this is my baby. I'm going to keep doing yep. it. How did you ultimately, again, I don't know if there's an answer. Like, how did you ultimately decide to say, we're not doing that? Like, I'm not focusing here anymore, even though this is what really was maybe paying some of the bills or at least feeling like you were. How did you make that pivot? Like that, I had to be a tough decision. I'm assuming. Well, I mean, part of it, to be honest, it's complete. I mean, I was desperate. I did not want to go back and work for somebody. I felt that the biggest. I still do. I feel the biggest risk in the world is to put your life in somebody else's hands from a business perspective. I don't want to do that anymore. I did that. I felt like I paid my dues. I learned the things I needed to learn to go start the business, and so that's why that that moment of getting the phone call from the customer and getting that no was so tragic because that was the moment of, I already knew I was failing. I already knew that things were, I didn't know exactly what was going on and why I was, why this wasn't working. I thought it was a good idea, but the no was, I, oh, I'm done. I'm done. I'm out now. What do I do? And so that two week gestation period, of just sitting back and giving myself time to be okay. All right. Feel sorry for yourself. Great. I'm going to, I'm going to feel sorry. I'm going to cry a little bit. Now, now let's move forward. Am I going to move forward and do the same thing that's not working? Or am I going to try something else? And so it was a really easy decision. I said, I'm going to try something else. And when I told my wife, which is always good to have a, a, a good partner that's going to support you. And I told her, I said, yeah, I, I'm, I might have to go back and get a job with somebody. She's like, look, I know we need the money. And I know that it seems like a horrible moment, but you are never going to forgive yourself if you go. And I, and she, and basically said, and I won't like you because you're not going to be the person who you can be, or you feel you should be, or you're not going to be the happy, uh, joyous person if you go work for somebody else. So you've already gone this far, like keep going with the business, but change that direction. So I don't know if it's desperation or if I just finally realized and you know, got that light bulb moment, but it was the, the no, finally, I stopped. I, I was, I, it got me out of that denial period where I just said, oh, if I just keep moving forward with this idea, keep it. So I was doing that for two years. Okay, yeah. done. I gave it a try. That did not work. Let's go ahead and pivot over here. And, and I had enough feedback to look at what's really going on. I actually, then I talked to some of the customers. I talked to the people that would ultimately come to Content Marketing World. And they said, yeah, we would support this. Yeah, we would make it happen. The other thing I did that I needed money. <laughs> I was out of money. I was out of uh, the credit cards were maxed out. I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And as I repositioned this thing, to Content Marketing Institute, I said, well, what am I going to do? I'm not going to have this site up until May. And I went out to some people who cared about this industry, who had some money. And I said, hey, this is what I want to launch. I'm going to put together what I call a benefactor package. If you'll give me money for like an annual sponsorship, here's what I will give you. And I sold five of those, I think, for $15,000 a piece. And that was enough for the next six months to know that, hey, I can keep the lights on, I can feed the family, I can pay off the bills, I can do the things I need to do. So I basically pre-sold 
wow. the idea of Content Marketing Institute. So I got a feel. I mean, people were saying yes to that. Oh, yeah, we like that. We really believe that there does need to be an education and training, a, a non-biased one, somebody, somebody that represents the industry. So when in that, that helped a little bit. That was kind of the first indicators. And it was just to keep going and talking to people and asking people whatever. And and I had before then, I think I had a, and you probably hear this all the time, Brian, but you get enough failure, you want to shut yourself off. Like, I don't want to talk to anybody. anybody. I want to go away. I want to get my, I don't, hopefully we'll get some good news. Well, forget the hope. You know, you, you got it. You, the more you move and the more you talk to people, the more good things happen. I started going to more getting to, so basically once I got the money for those benefactors in, started going to more events, meeting more people. I'd go to Boston and New York. I'd ask people, hey, who can I talk to? Who do you think would be interested in these things? And, and stuff started to happen once I opened it up and said, okay, I've got these 10,000 subscribers. It's selling this product nobody can buy. And I just switched it. Now I have 99% of these people could buy a product that I have because I had this idea for the sponsorship model, a media model, and, uh, and the event model that everyone would come to. And then I said, okay, the match Junta 42 is dead. I had another side business. I started as a blogging service. I sold that off immediately because that was just a distraction. And now I'm just completely focused right now on, okay, I'm going to be executive director of Content Marketing Institute. We're moving forward. This is what we stand for. The industry needs this and yeah. the rest is history. Well, I'll tell you what, the, as you were talking there, remind me, and I don't, I'm going to butcher a quote, we'll probably not give someone credit, but it's kind of that, you know, sometimes the idea before the, you need the crap, you know, to say their first idea was crap, you know what I'm saying? Like you, it's kind of like writing. Like I find sometimes I'll write a great blog article because I wrote a bad one and then that spawned a new idea, which ultimately, so maybe that's the thing, like, and it doesn't mean it always works like that, but you had that first idea. It, you needed that first before you ever could come up with the second idea, right? Again, you wouldn't have the blog, the feedback. And it's just sometimes I guess is weeding through some of those, um, you know, those muddy waters of like, hey, I have all this, this feedback from folk, what can I do with it? If I'm just actually opening up and listen, because that's really what you did. You listened to what the market was telling you. You didn't think you knew it all. So and in part there, you were kind of open to being wrong and saying, okay, let other people tell me what, uh, what I should be doing here. Would you agree with that? Oh, ab absolutely. And, and my, my mentor, Jim McDermott, always, because I was, I came from publishing and he was, he was my boss at Pentamedia. And he said, your job as a marketer is to set up listening posts. Like listening posts, what's that? He says, everywhere possible, you wanna be a sponge and get this information. So if that's talking to people, if that's through email, if that's on a blog post, if that's comments on YouTube, you know, whatever, wherever you, it's if that's sending out a survey to customers, if, if it's setting up meetings with customers, whatever, get that information, put it in a journal and, and get all those uh, pieces of feedback. And the truth will be in there. It's like some of it won't be right, but most of it will be because you'll see themes over and over again. And that's what I started to see about the education, the training and an event being able you know, to to be supportive uh, by the community. So those types of things. Yeah, absolutely. To, to set that up and, and listen. Um, I think now, you know, this is my, I guess, third startup or fourth, depending on how you look at it. Now I go in knowing that I'm probably not right. And that's a much better place to be in because I'm way more curious. 
I'm way more like, oh, okay, is that the creator? Is that what's that definition of creator economy? And like, what are they doing over there at VidCon? And what, why are they doing that? And why did that decision make? Instead of just saying, oh, I've got this thing, and I, <laughs> boy, is this a great product? Yeah, it's cool. just it's it's just yeah. a much better way to go, knowing that I haven't created the product yet. Um, I got a good start, and I got a good idea, but something else is probably out there that's better. Mm. I wanted to ask, go as deep as you'd like of this, but, um, you know, we could talk, you know, because it's like, hey, you know, 07, 09, and we kind of go on. But how was the day in the life? Like, how how was marriage? How was being a father? Like, was there, was there very stressful times? Or did you do things to keep afloat in terms of a positive mind and kind of working through it? Or did you feel like you were, was it a depressive state for those years? No, it was, um, so what really helped me and this is, uh, I'm a voracious reader of like, I got Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich over here, Stranger in a Strange Land, my favorite book all about focus and things. So I'm, I'm really into what, what can I, what, what's the best, what's the most productive uh, day that I can create? So the one thing I always went into is when I was in my office, 100% I'm working. And when I'm out of that office, I'm with the kids and I'm with the family don't have the phone on me, you know, cause at the time I think I had a Blackberry, which is crazy. Yeah. It would ding all the time. I'm like, shut that thing off, get it away. Um, I remember we did, uh, we did no electronic Saturdays, which was great. So I didn't look at any of my email and no business stuff on Saturdays. And I, that was the day my wife could go and do her thing. And we might, we would just, the, the kids and I would just play Lego and we'd go to the zoo and whatever the stuff was. And, and that was great. And we did like no electronic Saturdays for like six, seven years. So it was a big, big deal. So being present was probably the most important thing, but from a, the one thing that I've, I've written a lot about this and I truly believe in it is this idea of goal setting and then viewing your goals on a regular basis. So this is like a combination of seven habits and Greg Cardone's 10 X and a couple other books that I read. And I put together this um, goal template, if you will, under six categories. So I would have, you know, career, financial, um, spiritual goals, physical goals, family goals, mental goals, and philanthropic goals. And I would write down one or two of those goals that I would work on. And I would only work on those at that present time. Cause you know, I'm a big fan of like what Warren Buffett says about the, his 25, five rule, like write down 25 things you want to accomplish circle five and forget the other 20, just focus on those five or six that you can actually accomplish. And I don't think you can do more than that yeah. at one time. So what I would do is I, every so often I would make sure I'd review those goals and get, make sure they're right. And then every morning and every time before I went to sleep at night, I would read those goals out. And the one thing that I set, and this is kind of a long-term perspective, but under financial, I always had the goal. So this is in 2007, I started 2007, 2008. So I got nothing. I got no business. I think we did revenue, $50,000, something stupid, losing all kinds of money. I said, I will sell the business for 15, at least $15 million by 2015. Hmm. And this is, those are, those numbers are very specific because I talked to my accountant and I said, well, how much money I live in Ohio? I said, after taxes and everything, how much money do I need to get to $10 million? He said, you need about 15 after taxes and everything. I said, and I, and I did the number and I did the math. I said, 
$10 million, that's forever money. Okay. So how long do I think it's going to be there? And I looked at, I was reading all that stuff. How long does it take startups? And it seems like, okay, I think that seven, eight years, that should be about time. If I look at what other entrepreneurs have done and the similar thing that I'm trying to do, whatever. <laughs> so, um, but we, we ended up selling for more than that in 2016, but we started that process in 2015, but I read that thing twice a day and it gets you focused. It gets you focused. I'm saying, okay, well, if I go and do that, that's not helping toward that goal. And I thought about that all the time. And I think that because it was fresh is there's two things. First of all, if you start and you read those goals first thing in the morning, it really does get you to focus on what you should be doing and what you should not be doing. And then when you read those before you go to bed, I'm a real big believer in like kind of the brain works subconsciously during the night and get you settled for set up for what you want to be doing in the morning. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do those two things. And I didn't get all of them, but I'm, I had a pretty good record for hitting goals. And I think that has a lot to do with it. It's just that regular reviewing. And then to make sure those are fresh in my mind, I'm not that. So that means that when I get up in the morning, I'm not getting into Facebook. I'm not getting into social. I'm not reading my email in the morning. That means if I want to, cause I remember I do this with books too. I I'm, I'm going, uh, I always said every two years I would publish a book. I published 2009, 11, 13, 15, 17, 19, 21. I published a book everyone. And because I still have that as a goal, and when I read that, I'm like, oh my God, if I'm going to publish in 23, and 23, by the way, Epic Content Marketing was 23. So I've got, I've got to publish one in 25. I got to start thinking about it soon, about my next book and what that's going to be. Is it going to be a novel, whatever? So these are the, that's probably to answer your question, long way around, this goal setting process is really, really important. And by the way, it's not just that, right? I'm thinking about little things that I can do that will help reach those goals. But you think about those every day, little habits that you can, I'm, I'm a big believer. I got um, Habit Bull on my, uh, an app on my phone and it tracks my habits. So uh, like one of my physical things is I want to stay in size 34 pants. Yeah. So <laughs> to keep my weight down. So to do that, I do push-ups every day. I run four times a week and I track those things. I track how much and I track when and those things. And um, that really works for me. Um, because, and again, to your point about doing something wrong just when you start with and kind of messing up and getting to that thing. Like when I wrote my first novel, uh, the will to die, which came out in 19 and 20, when I first started writing, it was terrible. I can't even show that stuff to people because it was so bad. But when I started writing for every day for four weeks in a row, I started to find my rhythm. And I, it's the same thing for running. I mean, I just ran a marathon in May. It was my first marathon. I started in January 1st with, you know, you're not going to run a marathon just because you decide to run a marathon. You've got to work. I work. I had a four-month training program to get to a point that I could make it 26.2 miles. And it's the same thing with business. And it's the same thing with everything you're trying to do. So um, so that's why I'm a big thing about patience and setting the right expectations and goals. And, and, and you'll get there. Um, by doing a, a little bit of that um, goal setting and then goal uh, reviewing on a regular basis. Right? I think a lot of people set the goals, but they don't review the goals on yeah. a regular basis. That's a great point. Well, and it seems like, you know, it's the preparation that I feel, and it seems like you're probably in the same boat of like to the marathon, right? You don't run the marathon tomorrow. 
But if you don't prepare for the marathon, you're definitely not going to cross that That's finish right. line. It's all the prep. It's not just the running either. It's the nutrition. It's, you know, mentally, are you giving yourself challenges, right? There's, there's a lot of different things. Um, are you even, and even going like deep in the data, like you're talking about the habit tracking stuff is like, and I'm not a runner, so you might know this better than I, but like, okay, how, what's my split times, right? Is it, do I have to like have a certain split time to hit this? You know, so there's so many things that go into it versus just saying, I'm going to run a marathon. You've got to prepare. And that comes back to, um, and it's something I think I actually, if, if I remember from, from the research, a video you did, but you know, around, you know, time and delayed gratification, this stuff's not going to happen tomorrow, right? We have to give ourselves that longer time horizon. It seems like you were smart about that, at least to say, I'm not going to get to 15 million in 09, but let me give myself a longer time horizon, knowing that I probably can accomplish it, right? It starts to kind of weed through all the, the noise. It's interesting though. I made some decisions. So, so if you go back to 13 and 14, so I'm still looking at that goal, want to sell by 15 for 15 million. And we're 13 and 14. I'm looking at my numbers. I'm like, okay, we're tracking well because content marketing world was doing well. Everything was working, but I'm like, I got to make some changes right now if I'm going to make that. So I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? We ended up purchasing, well, one email list and two companies. We were purchasing awards program. We purchased a West Coast event program because I said, I need to accelerate in this area and to, um, and to get some new revenue in this area, if we're going to make that, cause I can't do it all organically. So that really, really works. And if I wasn't reviewing that, I might've forgot that or just, it just said, okay, that's it. But yeah, ab- absolutely. And it's, you think about all the little things that go into it. I mean, I, I teach patients to content entrepreneurs who's our target audience right now, basically, you know, people that want to start a business through building an audience first and then monetizing that audience. And the first thing I tell them is, is that 18 months is probably your minimum to success. So you're not going to be successful tomorrow and you're not going to be successful next year. But if you do everything right, maybe by the time you reach almost a year two, you'll be at break even. And you're not, and I always throw this like Mr. Beast, you know, Mr. Beast started in 2011 he didn't even have regular YouTube videos about anything consistent till like 2013, 14. By 2016, had 30,000 subscribers and hit a million and 17, whatever. So five years, Mr. Beast is doing his thing, not making any money, just losing stuff, trying to figure it out, whatever. So now, probably going to be the biggest media brand in the world. How long did it take Mr. Beast to do it? And and this is not, uh, it's not a rare thing. I mean, that's most most content creators, it takes them two, three, four, five, six years. And so I would say the same thing about any entrepreneur. It's like, you know, most entrepreneurs, as you know, you talk to them all the time. Most entrepreneurs don't make it past year three. They don't make it past year five. So you, I mean, how do you, how do you keep going and and pushing it through? If you have that long-term mentality, that's the same have to make it. You're you're so right. And it's, well, I even get this ass with like the, the, with writing and even with the podcast, because I, you know, whatever, I'm like I'm three, near 350 as we're recording this right now, that's five and a half years. And I think I've actually thought about this more recently. Wow, what if I never started? What, and because there was two years prior to me starting the podcast where I hemmed and hawed, kind of like, you know, you did like, eh, I'm not good enough for this. Uh, maybe I won't do it. And I finally started. So I think back like, yeah, I'd have put five and a half years of, you know, kind of drudging through some of the, the challenges. But now I'm, you know, quote unquote, ahead five and a half years. If like, imagine if I was starting a podcast today, oh my gosh, I mean, the area it's saturated, it's whatever, but now at least that, okay, I build up the brand over the time and, 
you know, so it's, it's the same with anything else. You have to just start and you just have to slowly kind of put the consistency in the pro in, in play each day. It doesn't have to be monumental, right? Yeah. I mean, you know this cause I, if I, you both the podcast you started about 10 years ago, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah so it's We're like, on like almost 400 on one and almost 380 on the other one. Right. Yeah. But it's, again, it's that the, moving the, the ball slowly down the field. It's not going to happen overnight. Well, and we were talking about, uh, I was on a show earlier today and we were talking about, okay, well, how do you become a successful content entrepreneur? And we talked, we talked all about like finding what we call a content tilt. Mm -hmm. What's an area of differentiation that you can break through all that con content clutter, whether that's, you know, AI and content today, or, you know, making the craziest desserts on the planet or whatever it is. And so we talked about the importance of that. And I said, that's really important. It might be the second most important thing, but the most important thing is actually consistently showing up every day. Because mm -hmm. then I talked about my example. I used to do, you know, when I was just starting out and trying to pay the bills, I would go in and do some consulting for people. And I ended up consulting with some rather large organizations. And what we realized is the reason why they didn't make it in their content marketing effort is because they stopped. Yeah. They would start something. And then after six months, they would start like a newsletter. And then after six months, somebody would kill it or nine months or 12 months. And it's like, that's the opportunity. That's what you've done. And I've done. We just keep going when everyone else has stopped. So if you just, if you look at, okay, your competitive set is 10 million right now, whatever the number is, it doesn't matter. But every day that you go on and you keep doing your thing, more people drop out, just like a marathon. And then by the end, there's only a couple people left. Yeah. So you're there to get the the majority of those that revenues or the, that attention or whatever, because you're still around. And that's the, you know, of course, now I've been doing this thing for 25 years or whatever it's been. Yeah. Um, it's nuts, but it, it does. It, just the fact that you stick around, you keep doing the thing when everyone else, I mean, you know this, right? You, you, were, you were talking about golf beforehand. Why don't golfers get better? Because they don't consistently get out there and practice. Yeah. Bowlers, tennis players, pickleballers, whatever you want to say it. That's the key. Yes, you need a little bit of talent. But once you have that talent, you start doing it. It's all about getting out there and practicing and doing the thing. And most people just don't do that. Also, one of the reasons when I used to teach golf, one of the reasons I got out of the, the industry, because I would have a small, let's say 5% or the students I love, where they were consistently coming for lessons every few weeks, they were practicing and playing in between, they were eager to learn. But the majority of people were the, and this was when I was teaching, it was like, like seven, eight, nine, 2010, you know, basically I stopped teaching full-time in 2012. So like the YouTube era was starting where it's like, oh, I was like, oh, have you practiced? And I hadn't seen the person in a month. They'd be like, well, no, but like, hey, I saw this YouTube video and they said this about slicing. I'm like, okay, that's not your swing kind of, everyone wants the quick fix, but it is, right. it's, you know, it's kind of the whole adage, right? It's not, you know, timing the market, it's time in the market. It's the same thing with building right. content. And, and by the way, too, it goes, I think it loops around well with our conversation is like that first idea you have might not be the idea, just like you might not be a great writer. You might not have great content in the first year, like Mr. Beast potentially, but you start figuring out what works for you, what you enjoy doing. And you keep moving forward because Mr. Beast, I don't know. I mean, he started when he was like 12 or 13, which is, I think he's only 25 now or something. It's still insane. So crazy how successful. But I haven't gone back. I don't know if you have. Have you? I didn't never watch his like videos when he was 13, 14, 15. Yeah, I did. I They're terrible. Yeah. Okay. There They're you go. So. They're absolutely horrible. <laughs> and then the one that he got to a point where he's just, he's just experimenting. He's trying to see what works and what doesn't. And I think the one was he just counted to, he counted to 100,000 or something. It was just him doing one. 
two, <laughs> three. Like seriously, on video. And for whatever they, they, he learned a lot by doing that. They would do some other things, and that's why he, he does all the the crazy stuff that happens right now. But he's because he figured out this algorithm. But it is it's sticking around with it. And if you you look at, I mean, I'm I focus on media companies and content creators in my business. And when you look at the success of every one, it's always focusing on one platform where you can be the best. So, like. The New York Times didn't start out by doing 17 things, not that they were necessarily, but Huffington Post, right? Mm -hmm. How did Huffington Post become available? They focused on one blog to one audience. Now it's like 500 blogs to 500, but they started one audience, one thing. They did it really well over a long period of time. And now every, you know, and every nine months, 12 months, they added a new category and they would just do that. But if you look at Mr. Beast and you look at Matthew Patrick, who's another YouTuber, or you look at the people that are successful on TikTok, they always deliver consistently to one audience about the same types of things over a long period of time. Done. It's so simple. It's boring. Yeah. Most people think I'm just going to slap this content all over everywhere else. And they have a lot of entrepreneurs that are probably thinking, oh, do I have to be on YouTube? And do I have to be on TikTok now and Instagram? And it's just too much. E-newsletter. It's just too much. It is too much. You can't be an A student at everything. Yeah. My friend Jay Klaus says, what's easier, getting an A plus in one subject or getting an A in five? It's almost, a, just get an A plus in one. So do one thing really well to one audience yeah. and then you learn, iterate, move forward, do it consistently. Yeah. You can be successful. And I think the, maybe the last point here to end our conversation, on, because I'm curious your thoughts on this too, is how important it is to do what you want to do. There are so many shiny objects out there. We can be saying, oh, like, like even Jay, right? He's like, oh, I could follow, you know, I can kind of do how he's doing because he's doing very well on Twitter and his, with his courses and everything. I could be like, right. hey, let's, let, let me try to do that. No, I'm going to, maybe I can do some of those if that's important, but I'm going to do what I want to do or kind of the content I want to put out, maybe what fuels me. You can't just try to replay because it's going to come off inauthentic anyways. And then within a few months or six months, you're going to be trying something new. And you're just like you mentioned that company, you know, six or nine months, you change course, you're never going to have a chance to be long enough the game to even see if it works. Yeah. You got to give yourself that time. Well, you have a, you have a say it's like, you know, uh, it's, it's the Harry Potter sorting hat. You do have right. a say, right. yeah. <laughs> you don't have to do these other things. You do have a say. Um, but I would also say too, don't necessarily follow your passion and what you love to do. I mean, I, of course, I think you'll find love in anything you do, but what are you good at? Like if you're like, I, I, I really wanted to be a baseball player when I was growing up, I wasn't that good at it. So at some point you got to realize that maybe that's not the route for me. You know, I, maybe you wanted to be like, you, you know, I could, I could be a Brooks Kepka on the tour or whatever, but you made a decision at some point to say, no, I'm, I'm better at this thing over here and I'm going to go that direction. So I guess what I would, what I ask people to do is, is like, yes, if follow follow that whatever you call your passion or whatever you love to do that always helps but first and foremost what are you good at what could you be an expert in what could you be the leading expert in if you really looked at it this way i think that's way more important than i really really love to do that well i love to do a lot of things yeah i, I love i love to play tennis i'm just not that great at that you know, I'd love to just collect baseball cards all the time. If that was a thing and I could make it a business, I probably would. I didn't figure that one out yeah. quite like some other people did. So that's what I would, would focus well, on. What are, you good, what are you good at? Well, you know, it's interesting because I like that mentality of what are you good at? Because I, I've had actually Seth Godin and, and Kevin Kelly have both said the same thing is 
the success you feel successful or you feel like you're passionate about something when you actually turn it into something. So you might not start out liking it, but if it becomes quote unquote successful in your eyes, well, then you actually becomes a passion. So it might not start out as a passion, but I'm sure that you can just say that with your businesses, right? You may not have loved it off the top, but. Well, somebody will say, oh my God, you're so passionate about content marketing. I'm not passionate about content marketing. (laughs) I mean, I enjoy, I I found, I guess I found to your point, I found my passion with it, but I didn't say, oh my God, content marketing, that's absolutely the way. I saw an opportunity. I was pretty good at it. Um, went that went that way. And it it I mean, my goal more than anything else was to take care of my family and be in independent mm-hmm. and and to get there through through financial independence. And content marketing was the way to get there. And I think most people listening to that would probably realize understand that's like, look, I I've got a hundred things I want to do that have nothing to do with my career but I'm going to go this way with my career so I can do those hundred things right. whenever I want. And nobody can tell me I can't do it. So that's where I love it. I can get up every day and do what I want, where I want, hang and hang with my wife. I got, you know, two kids are home from college right now. This is, you know, everything's wonderful. Um, we don't only have that opportunity. If, if I would have just followed that passion, it, it would have never happened. So this has been a lot of fun, man. I know we kind of went through a few different doorways. Um, anything else <laughs> you would share? Any other maybe advice to someone getting started, thoughts, insights, things you're thinking about now, maybe around the, the content entrepreneur and some things they could be doing today? Well, it's... <laughs> There's a lot, of, a lot of people that want to be entrepreneurs out there. I would say whether or not you're ready to make the jump, if you're going to prepare and set yourself up in a good position, going to build an audience in something is probably the way to go. I mean, if you look at what's the fastest growing business out there right now, it's probably content entrepreneurship. Probably somebody that's building a channel on TikTok, Instagram, they've got a newsletter going on, they've got something that they can monetize and they're going to monetize through consulting, through selling courses, through sponsorship, through, through products, whatever the case is. I would say if you're working a nine to five right now, or if you're just getting started, if you can build an audience, once you build an audience, that audience can lead to community and that community, once you build that, they will purchase anything from you because they know, like, and trust you. And once you get to that point, that's powerful. You can do all sorts of things. You could parlay that into the next big job that you want. So great. Maybe you don't want to start your business, but you're going to set yourself up for success. I had somebody come to me the other day and said, Joe, I want to get into the content marketing industry. You know, what, what, what can I do? I said, easy, build an audience. I don't care what it's about. Do you like butterflies? Do you like track and field? Do you like pickleball? What do you like? What, 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 what are you somewhat interested in? What do you know something a little bit about something? Okay. Start something. Mm-hmm. It's yes. To your point before, Brian, it's, got, it's probably going to be bad when you start the right. podcast. The first one's always, it's going to be horrible. The newsletter is not going to work. Figure out all those things and ways to build an audience, because if you do, you have built yourself an asset. Anyone who has any kind of an audience could get a job in any marketing or publishing department on the planet. Cause you go in and say, Oh yeah, let me see your resume. Let me check it out on LinkedIn. It's like, you know what? Just check out my site here. Mm-hmm. I've got, you know, a thousand subscribers here and I built this and here's these, this kind be like, Oh my God, that's amazing. And it's, it's easier today. To, it's not easy, but it's easier today to do that than it's ever been before. And that's why it's funny when you see 
I've been, I'm sure you have as well. You see all these articles like, where did our workforce go? And what are the kids doing and whatever? Well, you know what a lot of them are doing? And a lot of the ones that are looking for second career, they're just out there building an audience. They started a podcast. Mm -hmm. They started a YouTube channel. They started a newsletter, whatever they're doing. In a, they're doing a new event, whatever they're doing. They're little media companies. Uh, and we have more of those going on than ever before. So it's very exciting. But all the things that we talked about play in. Start now, focus, put your time in. And then once you do that, then you set yourself up to make whatever decisions you want to in the future. And that's what everyone I think wants. Probably everyone listening to this wants independence of some kind, probably financial independence. The easiest way I think to get there is build a group of people or find a group of people that know, like, and trust you. And then you can end up selling things to them. Yeah. I mean, That's you get it. leverage and at worst you get experience, right. That you can use in that next job or next role or next pivot. You know, it's, it's, I don't, I don't think it ever is bad. Whatever you try to start, you're That's always right. going to learn something for, from most likely, you know, so just, just keep, just keep moving forward. And as Arnold Schwarzenegger says, I just watched his, his documentary. He says that be, just be useful. Just, just be whatever yeah. you do. Be useful to a person, to a community, to a cause, to an organization, and uh, and things will come your way. Joe, that's a great way to end this. Um, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Any where, where do you uh, any watering holes that you're on? Any where people can say hello to you? Oh, well, JoePolizzi.com, P-U-L-I-Z-Z-I, is where you can find all my books. Uh, we've got a nonprofit association, Orange Effect, that that we, we speech therapy to kids. And families who can't afford it that's a big uh, issue of ours that's at theorigineffect.org uh and then you know i'm at joe polizzi on every social site so i mean i guess if you want to keep in touch with me on a regular basis if you go to joe and you click on my newsletter i basically have independence tips every two weeks talking about the same things you know just yeah. figuring out the you know where you failed and where the opportunities from those failures come awesome joe thank you so much man i appreciate you being on Thanks, Brian. Good to know you now. Hey, everyone. And just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianondraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in and have a phenomenal day.